Alrighty, hello everyone. So it's Wednesday and I'm very, very late with my episode. As you well aware, I normally release my episodes on Monday in the evening and Thursday in the evening. And now it's Wednesday evening and I'm recording the Monday's episode. How silly am I? Listen, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to even look for the excuses. I've been overwhelmed with what's happening uh, lately. Um, with my girlfriend being pregnant, with um, things moving very fast as far as the my last joint goes, and just everything together combined, it's been taking toll on me. So I'm not looking for the excuses. I'm <clears throat> I'm just letting you know that, um, you know, sometimes that's gonna happen. As simple as that. So what I have for you today is I've got a webinar that I did last week and I think it's going to help you big time. Now, originally this did this webinar um, online to people. I think I advertised it to my mail listing and sorry, to my um, mail list and to the Facebook group, Quit, Weed and Succeed. And lots of people loved it. I also made an offer at the end um, which I'm not going to include into the today's episode. But the webinar itself, it's pretty good, I feel, because I kind of summed up my seven years of uh, being and trying to being a stoner and trying to quit, but also my last two years recently since I started helping people quit marijuana. So you kind of get both words combined in one way. Um, and as I mentioned in the webinar, I actually said this, you know, you get to have the easy way. Like in the next 40 minutes, you will actually hear, um, you know, all laid it out there without any reservation and or anything like that for free. I had to go through years of freaking struggle and pain to get to that point and, and just showing other people's now and helping other people's quit marijuana. You get to see that as well. Um, as I as I put the case study there towards the end, so you you'll be able to kind of connect the dots. Um, but listen, hopefully this helps you in some way. As you're well aware, I'm big on helping, but I'm also big on making this podcast as accessible as possible. That's why it's free. Um, and yeah, so I'll put this webinar on in a bit. Another thing I wanted to say is, and I hope you do understand this information alone is not going to cut it, right? I always say to people coming, you know, either on the webinar or either in my program or just in the group, um, and they're kind of fishing for a bit of advice or just a bit of information. I said, listen, if you want a bit of an information, go on YouTube. Let's be honest. If you could quit just on tiny bit of information you were given, and even on a book you were given, you have done that long time ago. But Information alone, it's unfortunately very, very um, rarely a needle that moves, um, you know, things in your favor. <coughs> what does move things in your favor? It's consistent action. It's coaching. It's looking at your unconscious beliefs. It's looking at your triggers. It's looking, looking at your cravings. You know, the whole picture, everything around that you might not be aware of. If that's something you want to do, you know how to get in touch with me. You know what I do. Feel free to either visit my website or just send me an email at info at mylashjoin.com. But listen, if you are good enough with this webinar and it helps you in some way, 
I've done my job here, but I'm just saying from my experience, for me helping people <coughs> and also being a stoner myself and seeing, you know, shitloads and millions of YouTube videos back then or reading books, it didn't necessarily make a huge difference. What made, what makes a difference, it's continuous effort and coaching and being with someone who's done it and who can guide you in the right direction rather than going different spots, trying a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And another thing about quitting weed that a lot of people don't realize, it can be very personal. It can be very unique. You know, I've seen recently, I've seen few people here that uh, say that tapering down worked for them and the quitting didn't work for you. Imagine you go taper down and somewhere along the line you hear a video of quitting you're just gonna feel like shit you're gonna be like how i cannot taper down whereas someone cannot quit so that's where the guidance then comes in handy because you get to kind of get the other word that someone else struggled and you get to compare it and you get to take what works for you Whereas with the information, it's like, well, yeah, I can take that and I can take that and I can take that, but I'm not sure where it's going to lead me, if that makes sense. So anyways, I'm going to leave you with the webinar. I really hope this makes, um, this gives you some good value. As you are uh, well aware, we also have our own group, Quit, Tweet and Succeed Facebook group. And another thing I wanted to mention, I didn't announce it yet, but I'm going to announce it here in the podcast. And if you want to get in, you can get in by sending me an email. I'm going to do next week a live event. It'd be a two-day live event called Quit, Weed and Succeed. I know, I'm abusing this term regularly, but I kind of like it because my thing with the coaching is not just to, you know, get rid of the substance. It's actually to get you to that next level where you got coping tools, where you got emotions in check. And when you are completely aware of what's happening present and ready to rock and roll, in nowadays world, which sometimes can be pretty tough. I'm not going to lie. So that's my thing. And that's why it's kind of like this uh, quick tweet and succeed thingy. But yes, I'm doing a live event next week. Um, there will be a small fee, but you will only pay after the event if you like it. If you don't like it, hey, tell me to F off and don't pay. But if you do like it, there'll be a fee. But if you want to get in, There'll be 10 spots. I haven't announced anywhere else this. I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to get a website hopefully by the end of the week. I mean, I gotta, I have to since I'm, since it's going to be next weekend. Um, but yes, if you are serious about quitting weed or perhaps you're waiting for the right opportunity or perhaps you just want to find out more on how and get a clear kind of a roadmap, you know, for someone who's done it before and someone who's now helping others. Um, to get to that point, then you're more than welcome to grab the opportunity. Like I said, send me an email at info@mylashjoin.com, and we'll take it from there. There'll be 10 spots. So far, no one's taken it yet. As I said, I've just announced this yet. Uh, but I assume seeing the last webinar, I had 45 registrations. Um, this will go pretty fast. So that's me saying goodbye for now. Listen, I apologize again. In a way, I am. In the other way, I'm not because I was valid what's the word what's the word i'm looking for i was um legitimately legally no that's not the word i'm looking for anyways i had a valid excuse to not do this on monday if that makes sense um so i'm doing it here but i think the content the webinar itself is kind of gonna going to make up for it so 
over and out. I'll see you tomorrow, which is what I never said before in the episode because I normally do it on Monday and Thursday. But tomorrow is Thursday, so I've got another episode. But I have a few backup um, backup material to, to do. And then on Monday, we are going to hear from Oliver. And yeah, we keep on going. More stories coming, more people quitting weeds, more shit getting done. Hopefully my girlfriend gets to finish this hyperemesis nightmare holy shit seriously i can now see how people with chs cannabis hyperemesis syndrome are struggling um she doesn't have chs but she has hyperemesis gravidarum which is something you got during the pregnancy continuous vomiting it's horrible it's horrible and um yeah anyways i didn't want to put you down at the end i just i just felt like i need to get it out um, and you know, when you do your own podcast, it's quite, <laughs> might as well abuse it a little bit in that way. Hey, thank you for following as always. I don't, I kind of forgot to say this late last few months. If you like it, click like, follow, share, maybe even call your friend and say, listen, there's this dude from freaking Europe and he's a little bit special, but I think you should kind of listen to his episodes because I know you, you said you're going to stop, but you didn't stop. Um, so yeah, that's that. I'll see you over and out. Don't forget about our Facebook group. Uh, Colette, one of our moderators, did meeting today. And I was like, whoo, she's really good at meeting. So um, we got free meetings going on now. Um, we got free support group. Like this podcast is free. What more do you want? And then you come and then I guess some people into my program, they're like, yeah, but I don't know. I'm not sure if I want to spend money. I don't know what to tell you, dude. Like, you know, sometimes you just got to pay for fast results. If you want slow results, if you want to be like me trying to quit for seven years, we'll do that. I don't know what else to tell you. Over and out. I'll see you next one. Bye. Sometimes, so spare me. Um, But yes, what we're doing today is we are going to hear how to quit weed and succeed without MA, willpower or rehab. So for anyone wondering what MA is, it's Marijuana Anonymous. Um, similar to AA, but focused on marijuana only. So what's my goal for today? Um, well, I want to share with you how I help people around the world quit wheat. And then I want to share with you how you can benefit from that as well. So I prepared a nice little webinar. It should take us about 45 minutes. Um, and yeah, let's get straight into it. And as promised, uh, I think I wrote about 10 emails in the last three days. If you stay until the end, I've got a bonus for you as well. Um, so make sure you stay until the end. And um, yeah, right. So what makes this a different webinar? What makes this webinar different than anything else out on the internet? Well, first off, and I think some of you already know this, I um, have been stoner most of my 20s. And, um, you know, when, when you guys say, well, I want to quit, uh, but I cannot quit, I can relate to that. I've been doing this for years, uh, you know, motivating, motivated and waking up in the morning, ready to rock and roll only to go back to my dealer in the afternoon and start again and again and again. And, um, so I can relate to that. Um, so what you're going to hear is. An experience of a stoner is now helping others quit. So you kind of benefit 
from the boat words, if you will. Um, so a little bit more about me. I like to call myself a full-time ex-stoner, a full-time because I was smoking from mornings until evenings and pretty much Mondays until Sunday. Um, that was about two and a half years ago. I've been marijuana-free since August 2020. Um, now a podcast host. Um, I've got a podcast called My Lash Joint. We've got over 100 episodes by now. I'm also a community admin. We got a quit tweet and succeed support group and Facebook. I'm marijuana recovery coach, as you're well aware, and I'm also counseling training. Recently, a few weeks ago, I found out I'm going to be a father as well, which scares the shit out of me. I'm not going to lie, but I'm excited about it. Um, so that's me kind of quickly. I've done a lot of things right. And I've done a lot of things wrong. Um, so after kind of struggling, um, trying to quit and trying to figure out um, this whole quitting wheat uh, for years in my 20s, I've realized that no one really tells it about addiction or recovery from the substance. Um, you know, back in grammar school, uh, when you were young and you told about drugs and perhaps a little bit a little bit about the alcohol and sex. Um, you kind of hear those things, but no one really tells you specifically about what happens if you do end up, you know, using too much drugs. And um, I realized in my 20s when I tried to quit, but I couldn't, that I'm just uh, powerless and I don't have any knowledge whatsoever. Um, later on, kind of going through that journey and, and, you know, starting and stopping for a few years, I also realized that doing it on your own is very hard and sometimes just downright pointless. Um, you know, I wish I would know how much easier it is back then sharing it to your friends, family, um, and just talking about it. But I didn't. I was shy. I was uh, reluctant. I was just, you know, stuck in my own cave trying to figure out my life. And it didn't do me any favor. If anything, it prolonged the whole experience and it made it um, miserable. Another thing that I kind of learned um, throughout this experience is that your family, friends, and career will suffer. And perhaps I'll give you the best example for each. So my family, I realized this quite late in the journey, around 2021, which is almost a year after I quit. Uh, my grandma died, and at that point, I was still in England. And I came back just, uh, I came back, I think it was about 6th of August, uh, which was Friday, and she died on the 7th of August. And at that point, we were still here in Europe, we were still at the height of the um, COVID, so I could not go visit her in the hospital. And when she passed away, I kind of realized what I've done. Um, you know, my grandma, she was my favorite person. I grew up with her, not just with her. I also had my own family, but I always went to see her, always went to visit her. And it kind of stuck with me um, how I treated her in my 20s. Because when I was smoking, you know, I didn't call her, didn't visit her, maybe call her once per year, if. And, you know, it kind of stuck me how weed really goes into this places that you might not consider before 
but not just family. For example, friends. <clears throat> when I <clears throat> when I started working in England, I had a lot of friends that I met throughout, you know, just different gigs, uh, either you know, working as a bartender, um, you know, different jobs. Once I was at the height of my stoner career, as I call it, I ignored all of those friends. And those were friends that are, um, you know, all over the Europe, all over the world. The friends that are really good um, connections that I could, you know, keep, but I just kind of ignored. And of course, my career, my career um, went down as well. At that point, I was self-employed. But I wasn't really making money. I wasn't really um, having a business. I was just barely scraping by. Um, the next thing that I realized, and that was fairly recently, is um, when I kind of went on the self-discovery path, I was trying to figure out why did I go and abuse marijuana. And at one point, and I think I kind of took this narrative from the 12-step program, um, I was thinking I was born that way, you know? I was under the impression that perhaps perhaps I'm cursed or I was just unfortunate. And once I did a little bit more digging, I realized that's not true. And that kind of stuck me because I there was there was quite some time when I was thinking, well, that's how I am. I'm never going to be able to change. And then I realized that, you know, I have an addiction, but I'm not an addict, uh, which is a which is a complete opposite i wasn't born as an addict somewhere along the way i had an i got an addiction but i wasn't born as an addict and i think that changed a lot of things for me actually it it made the complete transformation because i was almost like kind of free of those shackles i was um i felt relieved and the last one which i think um is very relevant here as well is all in is easier than in and out um so somewhere around 24, 25, I realized that my um, my weed use has gone way over the line. And I was kind of in and out for the next three or four years. I would take a short break. For example, I would only smoke on the weekend, um, and then I wouldn't smoke on the week. And then sometimes I would take two, three weeks break, and then I would make it up. And... What really kind of hit me is in 2020 when I said, okay, well, I've tried all those things and, you know, just tiptoeing in and out doesn't really work for me. Um, all in is the approach that I took and it was just so much easier because there is never, well, what if, but maybe, and, you know, well, he does that night, perhaps I could. Um, so that helped me a lot, the all in approach. Unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you want to take it. I discovered that the hard way. Uh, as I've said, I started smoking when I was about 20. Uh, around 23, 24, it got to the point where I was smoking every day uh, by myself. And I didn't get to fully quit, fully commit until August 2020. So we're talking about six, seven years of very painful experience. Um I discovered this the hard way. Uh, you get to cheat and get the easy way. Um, and not just from my own experience. You get to hear from the other people on the podcast, as you know, and from everyone else, what works. And yeah, it's, it's, it's much, it's, it's kind of shocking 
like how long did that take me and how how much pain I went through to to get to this point but uh in a way there's uh you know there's a destiny for everyone out there and yeah you get to cheat and get the easy way so what's the hard way and what's some of the things I see so many people to, doing and it's bothering me it's eating me alive but sometimes I just cannot do anything about it because a they're not my clients and B, it rarely works when you tell people what to do. They've got to kind of, you know, you've got to kind of realize it on your own. Quitting without a plan using willpower. And thinking of myself back then when I was 24 and when I realized I'm smoking too much, what's the first thing I said I'm going to do? Oh, I'm going to quit to eat. That's it. I didn't have any plan whatsoever. I was just brute forcing it all the time. Just saying, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Did I do it? Heck no. I maybe stopped smoking in the morning. Two or three hours later, I would be on autopilot going back to the dealer. And I would repeat and repeat, repeat. And then kind of later on in the journey, I started doing some other things. And I realized, looking back, I've never told anyone. I told my friends. And majority of my friends were like, what are you talking about even though at that point, I'm going to be honest, I didn't have that many friends. The only friends that I had, we were pretty much smoking buddies. Guess what was their response? What are you talking about? Weed is not problematic. Just quit. Um, family, I didn't want to share with them. And to be honest, I maybe spoke with them once every two, three months. Um, and I was just trying to avoid people in general. I was feeling miserable. I was feeling like... Um, you know, I'm not in control of myself. I, I didn't know how to get out of the situation. Um, and I see so many people doing this online. Uh, you know, they do go online and they share, but they don't really ask for support. They just kind of share. And it's so much easier to do it with the support. I wish I would know that earlier. Anyhow, another thing that I see so often happen is that you quit everything at once forever. Um, and again, I'm guilty myself of this. I think it was 2015, 2016, 2017. My New Year resolution was no weed, uh, no alcohol, no porn, and then no partying, and then gym. Uh, guess what? On Tuesday, on the 3rd of January, I would be in McDonald's. On the 4th of January, on Wednesday, I would skip gym. On Friday, I would go out for a few beers, and on the weekend, I would start smoking and I would go back to where I started. Um, and I've done that a few times. And funnily enough, I see lots of people uh, do this as well. Even my clients admit to this, quitting, trying to quit everything at once. Um, and the last thing, the, perhaps the, the one that really kind of stuck with me and it still kind of sticks with me is I was always in the two worlds. So on one side, I felt miserable. Um, you know, without control, not being able to to do this, not being able to quit, not being able to say no to weed. But then on the other side, being there when I was 20, 25, 26, worrying how much I'm missing out, how I'm not going to be able to attend the parties, how I'm not enjoying my 20s. So it's, it's almost like I was in this cycle. And um, I wish I would knew back then um, this. And um, yeah. So let's go to the next one. 
who wants the easy way? Because that's the hard way. And just talking about it right now really made me go through the same emotions I was going back in my 20s. Who wants the easy way? Give me in the comments, uh, yes or no. By the way, what we got there? So we got Zoe saying, sorry to be late. Colette, Peter, nice to see you. Uh, plus no tobacco. Yes, very true. No tobacco as well. All right, we got Jason saying yes. Thank you, Jason. And we got easy way. That's it. All right, so as you're well aware, and as I told you before, in the past year, I helped people around the world quit tweet. Now, did it always work? No. I'm going to be completely honest with you. It doesn't always work. There's just a little disclaimer that either I didn't put enough input in or either the person on the other side didn't put enough output. I don't know. It doesn't always work. But most of the time, or let's put it this way, so far, I haven't had one person that would walk away and say, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, so that being said, you said you want to find out how to quit tweet and succeed. Well, here I am sharing the secrets with you. So we got four secrets today, and I'm going to go through each one of them separately. And I'm going to make sure that you understand. I'm going to kind of tell you a story. And then after that, we're going to have a quick case study of a client of mine. And I'm going to apply each secret to her case study, if that makes sense. All right. Okay, so secret number one, desire versus consequences, right? When I first realized that weed is a problem, I was very antisocial. I was very anxious. I was um, without any control. I was sometimes uh, trigger bombed. You know, you would say a wrong thing to me, I would go ballistic. Because of that, I wanted to quit tweet. And that fueled my quitting for the next few years. I wanted to be more social. I wanted to be more in control of myself. I wanted all those things that were actually the consequences, right? Somewhere around 2018 or 2019, I picked the book from Alan Carr. Who knows Alan Carr, by the way? The easy way to quit smoking. It's kind of a legend, I feel like, in, in that um, aspect. I picked the book from Alan Carr, and he talks about the desire. And that's when this lightning bulb went off in my brain. I was missing the point the whole time. I was looking at my consequences where I should be looking at my desire, right? Rather than thinking why I want to quit, I should be thinking why I want to smoke. Because the desire is why I want to smoke, not why I want to quit. Like, you can have hundred reasons why you want to quit, but you really you should address why you want to smoke in the first place. Because if there is no desire, then there is no smoking, right? When this came on in my head, I was like, holy moly, what was I doing for years? Right? Desire versus the consequences. Now you know what you got to focus on. Secret number two, problems 
equal substance abuse, right? I think this kind of came later in the journey. To be honest, I'm not entirely sure um, when I understood this, but my substance abuse at that point was pretty severe. So I would be smoking from morning until evening. Um, and at that point, I think I just wouldn't care. I mean, I still had this notion of quitting, but I just kind of didn't care. But besides all the things that I told you earlier on that I was um, anxious and I was antisocial, <clears throat> I was also very, um, what's the opposite of confident? I missed the word. I was also very emotionally unstable. I was all those things before I smoked weed, right? What I was thinking, the same as the same hypothesis I had before, because I have all this stuff, I'm smoking weed. But no, because I had all these problems, the weed was there. Let me give you a clear example, and I'm pretty insecure. That's it, Peter. Thank you. Let me give you a clear example, and I'm pretty sure you'll be able to relate. Do you know sometimes when you get, for those of you who are still smoking, by the way, you know sometimes when you get home and you're really tired and you want to do something, but instead you just go and smoke? Was the substance used because of the problem, or was first the substance used and then the problems began, Right? Do you see the correlation? So a lot of people, what they do is they focus on quitting weed. They focus on just getting rid of the substance. But really, you need to look at the bigger pictures because most often it's not just the substance that, that, that is the problematic. There are usually some other things around. With me, I was insecure. I, was, I didn't know how to regulate my emotions. I was anxious. You know, I was all those things and I was... That before the substance abuse, and because I didn't address that, that just kept on do that just kept on happening. Secret number three: the old me, it's not the same as the new me, right? So in my heights of the smoking career, I was um, all those things that I mentioned before. But I was also pretty ignorant. I was pretty childish. And I was just downright uh, prick sometimes, you know, I think it's a very beautiful English words. And, um, you know, sometimes my friends would call me and I would just ignore them and I wouldn't answer. Sometimes even my family would call me and I would ignore them and I wouldn't answer. When I quit wheat, I kept doing the same thing. I would ignore the calls. I would not follow up. I would treat others the same way I treated myself when I was trying to quit tweet, like an absolute shit. Did that help in any way? None whatsoever. I didn't realize until about 2000, towards the end of, of, of 2020, when I already quit tweet for, I think, um, I quit in 2020 in August, and it must be a month or two after that, that unless I change my complete identity, I won't be able to do that, Right. So to put things into the perspective for you, quitting weed is not just about removing substance. It's taking on a whole new identity that you had not have before. You cannot just take the old you and remove the weed and hope for the things to change. That, it doesn't work. 
And I didn't realize that until people started calling me out. Before, I didn't have people around me who support. When people started calling me out, I realized, well, I cannot be doing the same shit I used to do. That's just, it doesn't work. If I'm going to treat others the same way as I treated myself, which is shit, by the way, it's not going to work. I'm not going to have any support. The old you is not the same as the new you. It cannot be, right? The secret number four, and I think that was that was probably more revelation or more kind of a bang moment than the first one. Um, and part of this goes to um, Alan Carp, a part of this goes to some other books as well. And, um, you know, in 2020, when I quit for good, I knew my whole history with wheat. At that point, I was adamant I'm never picking up wheat again. I knew what I want to get out of my life. I knew my vision and I knew that wheat doesn't have any place in it. But about four or five months in, so about February or March, I started to get cravings. And this was some really random cravings out of nowhere. So I would go to a shop and on the way back, I would pass the park and there would be a bench that sometimes I would go and smoke on. Guess what? The first thing that happened when I walked past that bench, holy shit, would it be good to have some weed right now? The same thing happened when I was coming back from work. So my triggers were around 5, 6 o'clock in the afternoon when I was coming back from work. That's when my mind started to go, we need weed, we need weed, we're going home. Four or five months after I quit, these cravings were getting intense and more intense and more intense. I couldn't escape them. Before, everything what I used to do is I would escape them. I would lose the notion. I would try to get myself busy. I would go play a game. I would go take a shower. I would go for a run. I would try a hundred different ways just not to deal with the cravings. When I realized that the only way to get rid of the cravings is to actually address them, my whole experience just changed. I was no longer slave to the cravings. I was no longer running away from it. I was no longer hiding it. I went journaling. I started taking off my phone. I even went, instead of going straight to the shop, I said, no, today we're going to go through the park and we're going to go through the bench, through the beach, so you get some more cravings in so we can talk about them, you know, that little inside dialogue that you got going on, because we want to clear this one out. Guess what? The more I did that, the less cravings I got. Because there was no longer, well, you know, you can you can have a little joint here on the bench. No, because I passed that bench a million times and I realized it's the same old story. But before I was hiding, I was running from that craving. I was like, oh my God, here we go, the craving. Let's go, let's go to the gym. Let's go do something. We cannot we cannot feel that. That would be horrible. That was a shocker for me. And honestly, that made my experience. Um, the last craving I got was in February this year, actually March. We were driving with my girlfriend. Guess what? Again, the same thing. I don't know what is it with me and parks, but we were driving past the park next to the cemetery, by the way. How creepy is that? Sun is shining, and there was an older guy there having a cigarette. No, no, we, no, uh, not a joint cigarette. And I see him, and I was like, holy shit, he's having time of his life, isn't he? And I 
passed and I kept going with my girlfriend and then he started hitting me. But it would be really good, wouldn't be? Like, you know, you could go get some weed, go have a joint and then sit down and then, you know, it would be fun. I was like, oh my God, I cannot deal with this right now. My girlfriend is here. We are in another country. I am not dealing with that. Guess what? My whole afternoon, I was shaking. I was literally shaking. And then I came back home and I said, okay, here we go. We're going to sit down now and we're going to go through the whole thing. We're going to go back into my, you know, into my brains. We're going to go to that junction. We're going to see that bench and we're going to talk about it. It's gone, right? Address the cravings. Secret number five, a bonus secret, something I've realized very recently and something I said, I'm going, I actually put this in the webinar just 10 or 15 minutes before I started. Sharing is accountability, right? When I first started the podcast, I started it because I was genuinely interested in how people are quitting, what they're doing, what works, where they are, and, you know, just just pure interest. Sooner or later, I've realized me doing the podcast, it's actually accountability. Me being a community admin in Quid and Weed support group and talking with the people and sharing my experience the same way I'm sharing it here, it's accountability to you guys, even though I don't know you. That's why I'm so big and that's why I keep telling everyone Share, share, share. Find support because the moment you start sharing, whether it's with a complete stranger, whether it's with a complete friend, uh, with a friend or a family, you get an accountability. And that's huge. Accountability means support. As I said, I just put that in about 10, 15 minutes in because I felt like um, it's going to... I don't know. I felt like you, you guys you guys want, you guys guys need to know that. Right. So let's go and look at Anne. So... And I originally spoke with Anne back in October and um, we kept talking. And then I think around mid of November, I sent her an email. I told her about the coaching and we agreed on the terms. And when Anne came into my program, she was pretty much an autopilot. She wasn't smoking every day, but she was smoking lots of evenings and she was always feeling guilty, feeling anxious. And she kind of feel, felt lost without the control. And then we went, we started digging in. We really went dwelled in with Anne on the on the one-on-one sessions. And Anne told me that her reasons to smoke were relaxation, boredom, to de-stress. Going back to the secret number one, her desire was relaxation, boredom, to de-stress, right? When we went a little bit deeper, I asked her about her kind of a wider situation, her work situation, her support situation, and told me she's working lots of hours, long hours, and she barely has any friends. Her par- her partner, she does, sorry, she was she was single at that point as well, and she didn't have family close by, so she had zero support whatsoever. Problems. 
Anne also told me that back in her smoking days, she would go outdoors on a long walks and she would take joint with her and she would find little hiding spots where she would go and she would hide and she would smoke a joint. And then she would go around and around and she would walk back home. When Anne was quitting wheat, she would go on the long walks. Sometimes she would take cigarettes. Sometimes she would just go on the long walks. And she would do exactly the same thing. She would go and she would find a spot somewhere in the forest or by the river and she would hide away from the people. Old pan. That makes sense? You know if you guys understand this connection I'm trying to make. So, walking outdoors, hiding, trying to find a secluded spot without wheat, it's still the old Dan, if that makes sense, right? And then the last thing that we kind of addressed with Dan, and obviously this was not done in one session. This wasn't done in one go. We talked about her cravings, and Anne said that she... Anytime she has wheat in her house, she um, she she cannot quit. She keeps on using. So she needs to get rid of wheat in her house. In the evening or in the morning, she cannot have wheat. Otherwise, she's going to use. So I suggested to Anne to try something else. I suggested to Anne to put wheat in the basement and leave it there. And what that gave Anne it gave her a sense of control. Even though the wheat wasn't seen, she didn't see it hit with her eyes, she knew that it's in the house. And sooner or later, she gained that self-control, and that gave her the momentum. About a month and a half later, Anne started her own business, and she's got now full control over wheat. Um, I interviewed Anne, and I'm going to play a quick video here it's about five minutes long um and let me know what you guys think and if you guys cannot hear that let me know as well in the comments okay right um right so the first one is what was the problem you had prior to joining my last joint It was falling back into addictive habits with weed. It was, you know, I had gone a while without it. And then I started using it again. I was falling into the daily usage and it was becoming really hard to stop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What would you say? Why did you choose My Last Joint program over any other programs out there? Well, I... You kind of came in and offered me that that uh, that deal, and it sounded good to me. And it came at a time when I was really struggling with it, and so I took it as like a sign from God or from the universe that yes, you should do this. Spend your money on this. I'm not on feet. <laughs> so <laughs> I decided to do it because yeah, like your messages came at the perfect time, like right when I was struggling with it. So I took your message as like a sign. And, um, yeah, it was really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. I love that. Right. The, the third question, I guess the main question, as a result of implementing, um, I guess we should call it coaching, even though I try to call it more cannabis recovery program now, what was the outcome 
and how it made your life different? Well, in the beginning, talking to you every day was really making me um, reflect on why I was using it. And it kind of started to unravel a lot of like um, ugly truths about myself. And I started to kind of like, you know, the questions you would ask me, the daily check-ins, the the ways that we would talk about, you know, how it's affected our relationships, how it's affected our personal financial success, just like all these things. I started to really get down to the root of why do I want to do this all the time? And, you know, I think I realized I, I just had some kind of like epiphany moment of realization where it was painfully clear to me how other people saw me and how um just like how how pop stokers are just perceived by society as a whole like you know and i don't and how much i don't want to be associated with that label and with that um i don't like how much i don't want to be associated with that group Mm -hmm. i think that was very clear to me from our daily communication awesome where do you think you would be right now if you wouldn't do minus twenty? If you wouldn't do that coaching? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I might. I mean, I might still be smoking. I might still be a daily user. You know. I mean, even right now, I don't. Because I would say, like, having that understanding of why i don't want to be seen as a pothead like mm-hmm. that was really powerful for me and that really kind of like it definitely changed something in me mm-hmm. and it kind of made made pot lose its its magic a little bit and so like you know now i'm at a point where i see it as this as this like meaningless substance that you know it like it I have like no feelings about it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if we had talked, if I had not done the my last joint, who knows? I might, I might have like never had that realization, and I might still be very attached to it, or it might still have some kind of a hold on me. Mm-hmm. But I do think that that feeling that shame and feeling that epiphany was like crucial for me to kind of see it differently. And now I'm more busy, so it's like right now I'm like way too busy to to do it all the time. So I don't really have to think too hard about it. But but who knows? You know, like I don't because I mean there have been times where I've been really really busy in my life and I've still been smoking weed. So I might still be using it. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, the last one, and this one is pretty simple. So if there is anyone listening to this and they're on the fence about joining my last joint, what would you tell them? I would say joining my last joint, it's like, why not? Like if you if you have money to spend on weed on a regular basis, just invest it in something else for just even just try it for like a month and just just put your money in a place that you can feel good about yourself for putting it. You know, like if you're gonna if you have money to put on weed, if you put it on not social weed instead, you might have a life changing month that that month might be the thing that sends you on a completely different direction in life and so mm-hmm. if it's something you've never tried if you've never tried getting coaching for for this before 
why not try it? You know, like, why not do something different as opposed to doing what you've been doing for years and years and years that's getting you the same unhappy, empty feeling every day? You know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hey, you're a legend. No problem. All right. All right. So that was end on the review. So 